0: It's August, that most hallowed month of the year when we celebrate the illustrious role-playing game. Are you bursting with energy to celebrate the hobby that fuels your imagination and haunts your dreams? Do you feel a burning need to share your passion for your hobby? Join Spencer, aka Free Thrall, as he waxes poetic throughout the most wondrous
1: month of the year, RPG a day month. <laughs>
2: He was slinging puns at a bnB and b when he had an epiphany. I make a part in about time, too, about not playing d and
3: It was free all, and I heard him say, he thought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, because you're incapable hands. ends.
0: Hello and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and this has been a tough week. I'm ignoring Jason's advice and recording this intro before I construct the rest of the episode because uh, I just need to get started on this. Last week was a write-off. I say last week. I'm recording this on the 27th of August. And last Sunday was a scheduled session of Pulp Cthulhu, Shadow of Yog Sothoth, run by Andy Goodman for the Grizzly Peaks Radio Actual Play. And despite the fact that I've been looking forward to this session for weeks because we haven't played for a while, I was feeling a little bit under the weather that afternoon, went for a lay down. Now, Andy runs a tight session, he keeps it to two hours max, which suits me fine. We can get plenty of investigation done and it always leaves me begging for more. So, yeah, I I was lying on the bed, picked up my phone, saw that I'd got a message from Andy at 7 o'clock saying, are you joining us? It was now 8 o'clock. And, uh, well, I got online as soon as I could, but I'd basically missed the end of the first chapter of that campaign I'm not in the habit of standing folks up I'm not certain it's the first time I've ever done that but I'm struggling to think of a previous occasion it's certainly very unlike me to not turn up so yeah that happened what I thought was just me feeling a little bit under the weather well That was just the beginning, because over the next few days, I got a head cold, really sore throat, and by Wednesday, I was practically bedridden. I don't really talk about my MS on the podcast. I'm quite happy to, but, you know, this is about gaming after all. But whenever my body is fighting an infection, a virus, my MS symptoms flare-up, and I'm, I'm basically turned into what I refer to as a reverse zombie, a functioning brain in a dead body. So, yeah, Wednesday, I was no good to anyone, and I've just been slowly recovering since then. Fortunately, I was well enough to make the following session of that same campaign, which was last night, Saturday evening. And I'm glad I did, because it was absolutely hilarious. As I understand it, the way the shadow of yogg is structured, after each leg, there is a period of kind of character development where we all had the opportunity to regain some sanity by having a kind of character-focused moments. And each one of those was absolutely hilarious. So uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't miss that. So we're all set to um, head off on the next leg of the campaign. And obviously, as I've been suffering all week, I'm not going to be able to put out my fourth weekly roundup in good time. So what I'm planning to do with this particular episode is roundup. The rest of the month of rpg a day 2023 and if everything goes to plan i'll have it published before the month is out so without further ado let's get on to some messages hey there spencer
3: it's johnny from the red dice stories i've just been listening to your latest rpg a roundup episode and i think yeah it's definitely an achievement to get a one shot actually into one session most of them I've played have run to two sessions or more, even with fairly simple games like the PBTA games, Tremulous, and stuff like that. With regards to Call of Cthulhu being the funniest game, I think it's a great candidate. I mean, part of the fun is embracing the conventions of the, the genre and really sort of leaning into that at the end of the day, as long as your group's having fun where's the harm in it i was going to ask do you have a link for the actual plays of this because it sounds like it's something that's done on an actual play apologies if i'm wrong i've not had a great deal of experience with call of cthulhu or i've played it a bit and i wouldn't mind listening along to it and yes just to round off i've got to say i'm looking forward to picking up mythic bastion at land as well i've been reading some of the blog posts about it and i've been very much enjoying that so very much enjoy the episode dude keep up the great
0: work and i'll catch you soon Hey, John, thanks for your message. John Allen Large there of the Red Dice Diaries. And um, yes, all those Call of Cthulhu games I'm involved in are actual plays. They are run by Andy Goodman and are available on Grizzly Peaks Radio. And they're published sort of in rotation. Andy runs several different groups. The particular scenarios that I've been involved in, are The Watchers of Walberswick, The Surrey Enigma, Ghost Jackal Kill, and those first three are all scenarios that were available in the pages of White Wolf. Then we switched things up a bit with some different characters for Isla de la Morte, set on a Mediterranean island in the early 70s, I believe, and it was our attempt to... Be a little more serious, uh, but you can have a listen to that and judge for yourself. The one that's currently airing at the moment is Bookhounds of London, which is a trailer of Cthulhu campaign by Kenneth Height, although um, he may not recognize it based on what we get up to in that particular scenario. And there, there are a few other episodes, kind of special one-offs that I've been involved in. And there's a, there's a series of interesting interviews on there with all of the players in that particular group where Andy speaks to us about our kind of propensity for the comedic and the possibility of emphasising the horrific elements of play, which are all, all very interesting. I will endeavour to remember to put links to all those in the show notes. Although, I have to say, John, I can't promise that you'll learn anything about how to play the game by listening to the likes of us playing it. But I at least hope you'll get a chuckle out of it. And yes, Mythic Bastion Land. I know Chris has been putting up some posts about the development of that. There is a free playtest available, which I will link to in the show notes. And uh, yes, I believe that that is very close to becoming an actual completed game. So yeah, yeah. thanks very much for your call, John. Next up, a voice very familiar to anyone who's listened to those early White Dwarf, Cooler Cthulhu actual plays. A very popular character indeed, who's sadly missed.
2: It's Badger. Oh Spencer, oh, I just wanted to call in, mate, and echo some of the things that you've been saying because they resonate so much with me. It's not unusual for something you say to resonate with me, but particularly into the odd. Uh, I know that's your system of choice, and it, it. I I don't play it enough. I'd love to play more. I don't think my my group are so enthusiastic. For me, the elegance of it, and I know in design circles, people cringe a little bit when you talk about elegance in r p g s but I think you had it right when you you talk about Chris McDowell's writing style. It's bang on for me, I find it so easy to read it's it's there's not a lot of waffle. He does what he needs to do and gets out. And I think you're right when you say he builds the game and then kind of carves away at it. It's a subtractive process, like a sculptor carving away from a lump of stone. I forget who the... the, Well, it might have been Michelangelo, the famous sculptor talking about finding the, the work within the stone and it revealing itself. And that's... That's how I see his design. Um, also, I've met Chris a couple of times. Really nice guys. Super um, enthusiastic. Got loads of loads of ideas. Loads of imagination. And whilst we're talking about imagination, also Nate may, Wow, his stuff is so accessible. I've got a load of stuff, you know, that I've acquired over time, and it. It Comes along and it sits on the shelf. Something about nature mace ideas, they just like leap off of the page and into action. It's such a great designer for me, yeah. So, just echoing what you said, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but uh, it, sometimes it's just nice to hear somebody else talking about something you like in a positive way and, and not bashing on it. So, I hope you're well, Spencer. Uh, thanks for. All your efforts there and putting the content out. Take care, and I'll catch you later.
0: Thank you, Colin. Colin, spike pick green there, and you can always rely on Colin to add a little bit of culture to the proceedings. I think you really nailed it there with the use of the word accessibility. And that is one of the things I really like about Chris McDowell's writing. He uses what I call clean language layman's terms to describe gaming stuff when he gets into theory if he has to revert to using jargon he will never assume that you know what he's talking about and always explain things using pretty clear examples so yeah yeah i really appreciate that approach i realized that colin used the term accessibility in relation To Nate Tremay's work. And I would do Nate a disservice. By not picking up on that point. Because he creates stuff. That begs to be played. You're right. And the fact that you can. Just pick it up. At a moment's notice. And start playing with his stuff. It's quite remarkable. As I explained at the time. When I ran through Barrow of the Elf King. I may have read through it at some point previously, but I could not remember what was in there. But I knew I could trust I could just run it off the cuff and it would tell me what I needed to know as I read through it. Thank you very much for that message, Colin. And thank you very much for your kind words at the beginning there. If what I'm saying is resonating with you, well, that's certainly a sign that I'm doing something right. Thank you very much.
1: Hey, Spencer. Jason here. So, you talked about some games that you'd like to have. Pirate Borg is really neat, uh, very nice. I understand the shipping issues over there, but I'm very happy I have my copy of that. Troubleshooters, I also highly recommend. That should be a lot easier for you to pick up over there. Troubleshooters is a really neat system. No ability scores, just skills. It's percentile dice as games are meant to be, um, it has some interesting mechanics and is not combat focused. I really like troubleshooters. Stormbringer, I have it. I'm probably going to sell my copy. I've got the full, I don't have the Elric games. I've got everything they made up to it, turning into Elric, but honestly, I'm never going to run it. So short of something to read through, I, I don't know that you would ever run it either, to be honest. Um. It's a little bit different than the other BRP systems. I, I don't know. You might run it. Um, Ubiquity. Yep. Same thing. I picked up, <laughs> you know, just about everything printed for Ubiquity and haven't run it yet or played in it yet. Although, hopefully, that's going to change in, in the near future. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. But uh, Ubiquity is definitely one of those things that I'm very curious about. Um, but sadly, you know, the original line, like Hollow Earth Expeditions, had a print, but you can still get a number of the different games based on that engine, like the Leagues of Adventure games are still out there. So, anyway, great episode. I will talk to you soon.
0: Hey, Jason. Thank you very much for that message. Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. If I didn't make it clear, I do actually have almost all those games I mentioned on PDF. So, you know, I could run them if I want, but as you rightly point out, the chances of me running something like Stormbringer are rather slim indeed, and if I, if I was going to run a game like that, I would probably opt for the Black Sword hack, which isn't a D percentile game, so you probably wouldn't approve, and I can almost hear you frowning as I say this. The one game I don't actually have in PDF is the troubleshooters game which is you know something I'm still contemplating picking up and as you say it is um, very easy to get hold of here in the UK I've seen it on Amazon and I, I know that Modiphius have it in stock and there's also the question of whether I actually need any of this stuff I mean I've already got more than enough games that I've yet to play. As for Ubiquity, I'm aware there's talk of people trying to get that to the table. I know Anthony Runeslinger-Boyd of the Casting Shadows podcast and blog is a big fan of that game. In fact, that, that might be quite possibly where I first heard about the system a few years back now. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he may have written for it too. But I'm aware of Anthony Planet in the past with a couple of other YouTubers. Ivan Mike, 1968, and The Dark Side of Jason. Someone whose output i am always being very interested in. It tends to pop up on social media every now and again. And it's quite possible that these guys were brought to my attention thanks to RPG A Day. Thank you very much for that call, Jason. So here we are on the final leg of RPG A Day 2023, the 10th anniversary. And if for any reason you still don't know what RPG A Day is all about, please follow the links in the show notes. I kind of knew things were going to be a bit tougher towards the end of the month and i had hoped to break this down into maybe even three episodes but i'm going to try i'm going to try not to waffle too much i've been tweeting my responses to the prompts since the previous episode i say tweeting i've recently joined blue sky which is essentially appears to be the replacement For Twitter, it's a platform that was created by the pre-Musk Twitter team while they were still at Twitter and now it appears to be um, the go-to for all us rats, leaving that particular sinking ship, Twitter, which is now known as X, because um, it's an X platform. It's a bleeding demised. It has run down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. Nah, that's just resting. Um, (laughs) I said I wasn't going to ramble, didn't I? Stay on target. Stay on target. So, prompts 21 to 31 of RPG a day, 2023. (music) Prompt. Twenty-one favorite licensed RPG. Now, the first things that spring to mind are games that I own but haven't played. So, Alien and Blade Runner. The same goes for um, Jim Henson's Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal. Now, I've seen I've seen a few people suggest Call of Cthulhu as a licensed game. Now, I know Lovecraft's work is out of copyright. I don't know. I question whether that. Meets the criteria. The same goes for Casting the Runes, another investigative horror game based on the works of M.R. James. Also the two books by Andrew Kolb, Neverland and Oz, both based on works in the public domain. So I guess it has to be Merp, Iron Crown Enterprises, Middle-Earth role-playing game. Beyond that, I don't really think I've played anything based on licensed material. I've recently been enjoying Dungeon Crawl Classics based on The Dying Earth, you know Jack Vance's work. Now that could be licensed; it might not. So the only thing I can really be hundred percent certain about is M.A.P. <laughs> prompt 22 best second hand rpg purchase i was also going to say merp for this one because i got a really sweet deal when i picked up a replacement of the games workshop box set of first edition merp not only did i get it for a very reasonable price when i opened it up I found a little bonus in there. Now, I did tweet about this and said it was the Corsairs of Umbar, but it wasn't. It was the Raiders of Cardolan. So, there's that. But I think it has to be Titan, the fighting fantasy world book, another thing that I had to replace because my previous copy went missing. This details the lands that feature in the Fighting Fantasy Solo Game Books series. It's just a really great setting I'd love to play around in. Now, not all Fighting Fantasy books are necessarily fantasy. Some of them are sci fi, some of them horror. But as far as I'm aware, all the fantasy books take place in the world of Titan. And that's just a book I spent hours flipping through as a kid. And, you know, it's still a pleasure to look through now. And a setting I wouldn't mind playing a full blown RPG in. Along with that, Honourable Mention goes to Dungeoneer, the Fighting Fantasy Rulebook by Mark Gascoigne and Pete Tamlin, that's basically the rule set Triker uses. 23. Coolest looking RPG product slash book. Well, this would have to be the Ultraviolet Grasslands and Black City 2E by Luca Reitz. There may be a little bit of a bias here because it's one of my most recent purchases. But this book is just absolutely gorgeous. Luca Reitz's work is the epitome of cool. His art is very much influenced by the work of Mobius, but he has this sort of um, quite a minimalist style, but it, it fascinates me, this ability to suggest detail without actually filling in detail. You know, it's almost like a magical ability to me, a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. And he's a great writer too, very evocative stuff prompt 24 complex slash simple RPG you play now this is an interesting one putting complex slash simple because well I was reading a really interesting article recently a blog post by Pittsperilous, pittsperilous.blogspot.com, a blog of old schoolery. And this this dates back to twenty sixteen. I'll put a link in the show notes. But the piece is titled Minimalist Gaming Doesn't Exist. About the fact that rules light doesn't necessarily suggest a simple game. It's simply shifting the complexity from the rules to different areas of play. And I thought that was a very, very interesting take. So for me, complexity, I mean, I consider things like BX and even index card RPG as being quite complex. And I'm sure folks will find that quite laughable. But they've got a lot going on in them compared to the stuff that attracts me prompt 25 unplayed rpg you own well there's too many to name i guess i'll go for the game i've owned the longest but still haven't played yet which has no bearing on the quality of the game itself. Frank Redding's wonderful Hypertellurians, a sort of, well, it's kind of a Sword and Planet type game. I think you've used it to do something like Flash Golden, but I think you could just as easily use it for, say, something like Wizard of Oz. A very, very intriguing game. Honorable mentions here would be uh, Soul Muppets Best Left Buried, And Morkbog. Prompt 26. Favourite character sheet. Well, I'm sure many people are going to choose this one. But it has to be Mothership's incredibly smart sheet. That includes the rules for character creation on the actual sheet. It's kind of laid out like a flow chart. And it's just a really... Really neat piece of design. It's just too good not to mention. Prompt 27. Game you'd like a new edition of. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to a few new editions already in the works. Knave, 2nd edition... Ben Milton recently put out an updated version of the Kickstarter preview. There's the Cairn 2e playtest from Yochai Gal, which is freely available. And Chris McDowell's Mythic Bastion Land is soon to be launched on Kickstarter, which I'm very excited about. But if I had to pick something that I knew there were no plans for, what I would really like is a new edition of Electric Bastion Land, but produced in the same format or at least the same size as Into the Odd Remastered. I think that would that would be nice. Prompt twenty eight: Scariest game you've played. Firstly, let's change that to most unsettling because I think it's as close as I feel I've gotten to actually being in a scary game. And considering I play Call of Cthulhu regularly with Scott Dorwood of the good friends of Jackson Elias fame, who's a real horror aficionado. Yeah, I think unsettling is in many ways what I want from horror. As far as most unsettling, this would have to be a toss up between the Isla della Murta, a Call of Cthulhu actual play on Andy Goodman's Grizzly Peaks Radio, and the other one would be a two part gothic scenario run by Scott Dorwood himself using Cthulhu Dark. And as far as I'm aware at some point in the future that will also feature On Annie Goodman's podcast. Prompt 29 Most memorable encounter. Well, I don't know, (laughs) just so many great encounters. I'd have to plump for the first thing which sprang to mind, and that was. Something that occurred in a black hack campaign that I've referenced several times throughout RPG A Day run by Dave Aldridge. And it was an encounter with a formidable witch. The party came across her in a clearing. As far as I can remember, we were kind of surrounded by the witch's thralls. And uh, yeah, we were in a very precarious position and it didn't look like it was going to go our way at all until one party member who was a thief from the Mud Harbour Brotherhood who had acquired a flying guillotine in a previous, <laughs> in a previous session. Now, the flying guillotine is something that features in some Hong Kong Waxia movies. I, th- I think I'm getting that right from the mid seventies and it's kind of a, um. it's difficult to describe, but it's kind of like a metal cloche on a chain that is launched at the target and it has blades around the inside edge that <laughs> you, essentially you've got to get it over the target's head and then pull the chain and you've got this kind of aperture of blades the clothes around the target's neck, beheading them. And that's exactly what happened to this witch, who up until that point was well on her way to finishing us off. This character was being played by Edwin King, who writes the Depressive Diplomatist blog. And uh, yeah, a very good dice result made that a very memorable moment. Right, where are we? Prompt 30 Obscure RPG you've played. Well, I guess not counting playtests of games that aren't really officially available yet, that would probably have to go to Azathoff Answers by Tobias Diezler. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. A rules like take on Call of Cthulhu that's available on Drive Through RPG that Andy Goodman used to run a group of us. That included myself, obviously Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus, Safer of Safer Fantasy Crafting, and the multi-talented TJ Drennan. And um, that was a very enjoyable session. Also, an actual play that's available on Andy Goodman's Grizzly Peaks Radio. And Prompt 31, favorite RPG of all time. Well, it's broken record time again because it would have to go to Into the Odd. I think, actually, more specifically, Electric Bastion Land. I just like the little tweaks that Chris made to the rules in that game and all those wonderful evocative backgrounds shifting the setting slightly to early 20th century and just adding a little more madness to it. That is that. Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave me an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keep off the borderlands or one word. You can email me at spencer.freethrow@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also find me on Discord. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at freethrall mastodon at freethrall at mastodon.social and there's even the Keep Off The Borderlands Facebook group and you'll find links to all those things and more at freethrall.card that's with two r's dot co you can hear me in actual plays on Grizzly Peaks Radio and you can sign up to the Stoccasium my Substack newsletter, and I've also started putting stuff up on YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can at co-fee.com slash free all There's my itch page, or you may even want to give the show a review. The music for Keep Off The Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. T.J. Drennan, and it just remains for me to say. Take it away, TJ.